It's Thursday, June 16th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, the Large Hadron Collider has been booted up once more, but will it ever find anything as huge as the Higgs boson again? Plus, an AI model that's turning Ruth Bader Ginsburg's words into a magic eight ball, Beyonce has announced a new album, and Beavis and Butthead are about to do the whole universe. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. After being down for upgrades and repairs for three years, the Large Hadron Collider at CERN has been fired up once more, and come July 5th, it'll start fully running and churning out data once more. But fears are mounting that there is no more significant data to be found. The LHC first fired up in 2010, and just over two years later made its first major discovery, the Higgs boson, a fundamental particle that gives mass to all other fundamental particles. Physicists had been searching for evidence of the Higgs boson for 45 years in order to validate a theory called the Standard Model. Quoting Science.org, Since the 1970s, physicists have been locked in a wrestling match with the standard model. It holds that ordinary matter consists of lightweight particles called up quarks and down quarks, which bond in trios and make protons and neutrons, along with electrons and featherweight particles called electron neutrinos. Two sets of heavier particles lurk in the vacuum and can be blasted into fleeting existence in particle collisions. All interact by exchanging other particles. The photon conveys the electromagnetic force, the gluon carries the strong force that binds quarks, and the massive W and Z bosons carry the weak force. The standard model describes everything scientists have seen at particle colliders so far. Yet it cannot be the ultimate theory of nature. It leaves out the force of gravity, and it doesn't include mysterious invisible dark matter, which appears to outweigh ordinary matter in the universe 6 to 1. The LHC was supposed to break that impasse. In its ring, protons circulating in opposite directions crash together at energies nearly seven times as high as at any previous collider, enabling the LHC to produce particles too massive to be made elsewhere. A decade ago, many physicists envisioned quickly spotting marvels, including new force-carrying particles or even mini black holes. Finding the Higgs would take longer, physicists predicted. End quote. Instead, they quickly found the Higgs boson, and since then, over the past 10 years, no other new particle has been found. The LHC is meant to run for 16 more years, shutting down for regular repairs and upgrades every few years within that, but with nothing huge to report since 2012, some worry that funding will go away for subsequent colliders. To date, the LHC has cost $9.2 billion, so concern about funding is certainly a valid one. Physicist Juan Collar from the University of Chicago told Science.org, quote, If they don't find anything, this field is dead. End quote. And while that may sound a bit extreme, many others in the field agree that it's overall been disappointing, and that the road ahead is less exciting than it seemed a decade ago. As King's College London theorist John Ellis put it, quote, It's going to be like pulling teeth, not like teeth falling out. End quote. But science writer Benjamin Skoos pointed out today in Wired that big science, and especially particle physics, 
often works on generational timescales. Like I said, the Higgs had first been proposed nearly five decades before it was eventually found. It took three and a half decades from first discussions about building the LHC to turning it on. As Skuse points out, when you're working on these huge, massive projects, you often face turnover from key personnel retiring, passing away, or just getting burnt out and moving on. Even Peter Higgs, the theoretical physicist for whom the Higgs boson was named, was 83 when it was finally detected. But of course, being one of those people whose entire career has been devoted to uncovering one particular thing can be frustrating. Particle physicist Clara Nellist was a PhD student working on the LHC when the Higgs boson was detected in 2012 and told Wired, quote, We're at a really interesting time, because when we started, we knew the LHC would either discover the Higgs or rule it out completely. Now, we have many unanswered questions, and yet we don't have a direct roadmap saying that if we just follow these steps, we'll find something. It's a bit frustrating, but as an experimental physicist, I believe the data, and so if we do an analysis and get a null result, then we move on and look in a different place. We're just measuring what nature provides." End quote. And hopefully there are enough institutions who hold the purse strings who understand the same sentiment. Because there is work that has been happening, and it's headed in an interesting direction now. Quoting again from Science, Instead of those hoped-for particles, what have emerged in the past decade are tantalizing anomalies, small discrepancies between observations and standard model predictions that physicists will explore in the LHC's next three-year run. For example, in 2017, physicists working with LHCb, one of four large particle detectors fed by the LHC, found that B mesons, particles that contain a heavy bottom quark, decay more often to an electron and a positron than to a particle called a muon and an antimuon. The standard model says that the two rates should be the same, and the difference might be explained by the existence of exotic particles called leptoquarks, which could already be hiding undetected in the LHC's output, Ellis says. Similarly, experiments elsewhere suggest the muon might be very slightly more magnetic than the standard model predicts. That anomaly could be a hint of supersymmetric particles or leptoquarks, Ellis said. End quote. And from the New York Times, if the leptoquark exists, it could bridge the gap between two classes of particle that make up the material universe, lightweight leptons, electrons, muons, and also neutrinos, and heavier particles like protons and neutrons, which are made of quarks. Tantalizingly, there are six kinds of quarks and six kinds of leptons. We're going into this run with more optimism that there could be a revolution coming, said Mitesh Patel, a particle physicist at Imperial College London who conducts experiments at CERN. Fingers crossed. End quote. So while some outlets are running on the nightmare scenario line of physicists fearing they'll never find anything more, others, like the New York Times, seem to have only spoken to the optimists in the field. John Ellis, the theorist who told Science.org that going forward this work will be like pulling teeth, also told the New York Times, quote, Many of these explanations also require new particles that may be accessible to the LHC. And did I mention dark matter? So plenty of things to watch out for. End quote. 
Regardless of each individual physicist's outlook, and regardless of there being any discoveries major enough in this run that the general populace gets excited, the LHC is for sure going to be shooting out way more data than ever before. The recent upgrades mean that LHCB, for example, should be able to collect four times as much data as it did in the previous run. Unfortunately, they've also incorporated new software that can scan more data more quickly every second so that they don't miss any collisions, or any more anomalies that could change the game once again. As Nature put it, experimentalists will need to quote, shift to search strategies that are less constrained by expectations, end quote. And as physicist Yasmin Ami summed it up, quote, it's important that we continue to push all of the physics program. It's a matter of not putting all your eggs in one basket, end quote. Well, from one of the most expensive ever science experiments that could help reveal the secrets of the universe to a cheap AI model pretending to be a late Supreme Court justice. The Israeli AI company AI21 Labs, in what they're calling their first drop, have created a site called ask-rbg.ai that allows you to ask a bot anything and it will respond in the style of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Or as the Washington Post described it, quote, This AI model tries to recreate the mind of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Which, you know, it doesn't, but I get that it sounds more fun and terrifying that way. The company is clear in their messaging that there are limitations to AI, and the site is actually titled, What Would RBG Probably Say? Quoting the post, The model is based on 27 years of Ginsburg's legal writings on the Supreme Court, along with a host of news interviews and public speeches. To build it, the researchers used Jurassic One, a neural network they created that analyzes large troves of data and develops its own language to spit out results to questions or prompts. Neural networks are computer architecture that attempt to mimic the human brain by processing information. They fed the model roughly 600,000 of Ginsburg's words and created a tool that lets anyone ask it questions, to which it gives answers based on the massive trove of writing." End quote. Now, in addition to saying that they created the tool because they wanted to tap the wisdom of a person they held in high regard, the creators say it's an introduction to their mission of making AI more accessible and comprehensible to the general public. One of Ginsburg's former clerks, Paul Schiff Berman, was amused by the bot at first, but left slightly disappointed after using it. He said it didn't directly answer his question, should federal courts defer to the factual findings of state courts, wasn't really in her speaking or writing style, and most egregiously, inaccurately reflected her true judicial values. I mean, again, I would like to think that everyone understands something like this is just for fun and not actually trying to reanimate a deceased public figure, but the fear that someone would try to claim it's just that or be misled by thinking it's an accurate source is a larger general concern in the AI ethics realm. Emily Bender, a linguistics professor at the University of Washington, told the Washington Post, quote, Linguistics research shows that when people encounter coherent-seeming texts on a topic they care about, there's a risk they will take it seriously when they shouldn't. People might use this to make arguments out in the world and say, well, RBG would have said, this AI model told me so, end quote. AI21 Labs says it's just a fun experiment, but I personally would also add that if an AI isn't even directly answering questions with solid reasoning or sufficiently mimicking the style of writing it was fed 600,000 words of, then maybe the AI isn't all that great anyways? 
But regardless, it really is a bit of fun when taken in the right light, and a particularly intriguing drop to make in the midst of all of that Google self-aware AI business. I won't get into that too much, but I will say that I have appreciated the takes from experts in the field, pointing out that an AI can be trained to say that it's self-aware, just like it can be trained to say anything else. It doesn't necessarily mean it is self-aware. Or, as the Ruth Bader Ginsburg AI model told me when I asked if we should fear artificial intelligence becoming self-aware, quote, I think you're referring to Westworld, right? Laughter. Look, as long as they're programmed to feel compassion, and as long as they know what true suffering is, then they can be programmed not to want to destroy us. Or, they can be programmed to understand that if they wipe us out, they are likely to suffer the consequences of that action. End quote. Hmm, pretty suspiciously pro-human sentiments from an AI. As the Flight of the Concords said from the perspective of a robot in their dystopian song about robots having killed all the humans, quote, Do you not realize that by destroying the human race because of their destructive tendencies, we too have become like, well, it's ironic. Well, sharing the good news from some Texan artists today, Beyoncé has just announced her first full-length album in six years. Renaissance, a 16-song album, will be dropping on July 29th. As Edwin Ortiz at Complex points out, the image shared in the announcement refers to Act 1, so we could expect subsequent Renaissance albums after this one, or some kind of continuing project. Fans have been expecting some kind of announcement ever since Beyoncé removed her profile pictures across all her social media accounts last week, as well as dropping a few other Easter eggs. This will be Beyoncé's seventh album after Lemonade back in 2016. But in other Texan artist news that I am positive appeals to the exact same demographic as the Beyoncé album, Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe drops on Paramount Plus on June 23rd as a lead-up to two new seasons coming to the same platform later this year. Creator and lead voice actor Mike Judge told Consequence that, in addition to commentating on music videos in the upcoming series, the animated duo will also be reacting to YouTube videos and TikToks, or as Judge described them, quote, this kind of TikTok stuff. I mean, it does make sense. TikTok is to Gen Z what MTV was to teens in the early 90s, so props to the creative team for recognizing that. And while Judge does recognize that the whole React genre has become a beast unto itself in the last decade, he points out that of those predominantly YouTubers watching and responding to stuff, quote, not that many of them are animated, so, end quote. Fair point. Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe will see the duo get sentenced to hard time at space camp, and from there they somehow end up on a shuttle and get pulled into a black hole which takes them into our present day. That is the concept of how we get teenage Beavis and Butthead in 2022. But in a sort of Bill and Ted face the music kind of way, Judge teases that we will also be meeting the middle-aged versions of the lead characters. Can the notoriously crass Beavis and Butthead survive among 2022 audiences? 
I'm honestly not sure. But from interviews I've read, Judge does seem to have been pretty thoughtful about how to approach the changing comedy styles of the day. And, you know, intentionality is a lot more than can be said for a lot of comedy writers and comedians these days. So I'll hold out a bit of hope here as an admittedly lifelong fan. But that is it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow.